Shalom Aleichem, Shavua Tov, Happy Isru Chag, it's the day after Simchat Torah, the 24th of Tishrei, and Mishnah Yomi is continuing in chapter 3 of Moed Katan, Mishnah Gimel, Mishnah 3. Ve'elu kotvin b'moed, these items you may write during Chola Moed. Now writing is one of the biblical melachot, it's a labor, it's something involved, we know we can't write on Shabbat and Yom Tov. And the idea is we don't want to allow everyone to write just anything on Cholamoed unless there's some kind of need or potential loss. You want people to be enjoying a holiday, not doing paperwork. So these you can write, Kiddushe Nashim, documents of betrothal. Now we mentioned before we don't get married, fully married, with chuppah and the feast and the dancing and everything during Cholamoed. We don't mix a simcha with a simcha. Uh, the Gemara said we do allow betrothal. This is on Daf. 18b, I believe, we do allow betrothal, Shema Yekodmenu Acher, another man might get her, we mentioned, might get her through prayers. The Gemara actually brings an amazing story where there was a young man who was praying and crying and very obsessed over one particular woman, and his rabbi saw him praying like this and said, don't do that. Don't pray for this one girl so intensely. In the end, he ended up marrying her and ended up hating her, because that really he shouldn't have married her, but through prayer, he sort of, you know, changed his mazel, changed, you know, the, uh, what was from, you know, the match made in heaven. It really wasn't a match made in heaven, it was a match made in heaven. It's kind of a, it's kind of a powerful story about the power of prayer, and it's, it's kind of a scary story about the dangers of obsession. And that's the Gemara in 18b, but the Mishnah goes on, Gitin v'shovrin, you could write a, a get if somebody has a mitzvah to divorce his wife or he's going to Yerushalayim, she doesn't want to go, she wants to stay, uh, you know, and, and it doesn't work out. Or a receipt, a receipt for a payment. Somebody wants to pay off his loan during Cholomoed, but he needs a receipt, so he, they won't try to collect again. Daitiki. Daitiki is a term for a will. It's a will written by somebody who's ill and he's sick, and he has a concern, you know, he has an anxiety, and it would calm his mind if he knows where that his will is, you know, taken care of. Matona is a gift document, and there could be a concern. If we don't write down the gift, then the giver might change his mind. Prosbulin. A prosbul is the famous, let's call it a workaround for the Shemitah canceling the loans. And this term is actually a Greek-related term, prosbuliubuti. It's a benefit for the poor and the rich. It's beneficial for the people who couldn't get a loan because the people with money, the banks, the, the individuals really, were not lending out money because they knew their loan would be canceled at the end of the Shemitah year. And it's a benefit for the lenders that they'll actually do the mitzvah of lending money and helping people out. Because if, if they know their loans will all be canceled and not collectible at the end of the year, they're not going to lend money that year. This was the actual situation that Hillel saw in his days. The people with resources were not lending money. People who needed money for Yom Tov Suda or for capital to buy merchandise and then sell at retail, they couldn't get, get loans. So the economy was stagnating. It wasn't good for, for wealthy and unwealthy alike. So the pros bull was a workaround. It was a star. They, the loan was given over to the, the court to be able to collect, and it would allow the lender to collect after the Shemitah year. So really, the the effect of the prosbul is to keep what the Torah wants in place, which was people with money do lend money, and people who need capital can get funding for their businesses. And Misha continues, Egrot Shum, letters of estimation, uh, is basically a foreclosure deed where a lender could uh, get the 
you basically basically collect the property of the borrower who hasn't paid in satisfaction of the loan, but you have to know how much that property's worth. Letters of support. This is if a woman has a daughter from a previous marriage, then she gets remarried. It's sort of a quasi-adoption where the new husband writes a letter, writes a shtar, an official document that he will support this daughter. Shtari chalitza. Chalitza is the alternative to yibum. When we get to yivamos, we're going to learn all about it. They would they would write down in a star that this woman went through the chalitza ritual, so she was free to remarry. Umiunin. Miun is, well, it's not dissimilar to chalitza. It's if a young girl had no father, she was an orphan, and she was married off by her mother or older brothers. Now, that's not a biblical marriage. And when this woman, this little, she's a girl, she's a minor, when she comes of age, if she decides she does not want to continue to be married, since she was never biblically married, she can get out. She can opt out. And they would write a star miun, that she has done miun, which means refusal, and she's no longer in this marriage. Ushtari birurin, starim of, of brera, of choosing, of selecting. So when two parties would go to court, they would each select a judge, and the two judges that they picked, that both sides picked, would pick the third judge, and they would write this down so there was no argument over who the judges should be. Gzairot beit din, decisions of the court, igrot shel reshut, and letters of reshut. Now, reshut here can mean, you know, government authority letters, or it can mean reshut, you know, permissible letters, simply greetings of one person to their friend. And Mishnah Dalit continues this theme. We don't write loan documents during Cholamoid. If the lender doesn't trust the borrower, they'll write a Peshtar later. He doesn't have what to eat, meaning even if the scribe, the sofer who's writing down the document, needs money for Cholamoid, for Yom Tov food, you could go ahead and write it on Cholamoid. Mishnah adds, We don't write down scripture, books, tefillin, or mezuzot. During even though it, it, these things are a mitzvah. We don't go through the Sefer Torah and correct even one letter. Even the Sefer Torah in the Azorah, in the temple courtyard, which is used by the Kohen Gadol, by the king. Uh, some of the Girsa Ezra, it could have been the Sefer Torah of Ezra, was also the one in the Azorah. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda adds, that the, the Sefer, someone could write up his tefillin, or his mezuzah for his own needs. He can spin the wool techelis, the blue dyed wool for the tzitzit, on his thigh. Normally it would be spun between the fingers. Here is a shinui, he does it a little bit differently, but Rabbi Huda would still allow it to be done. And I've heard Poskim say that in modern times during Cholamoed, if somebody has a chidusha Torah, a thought, some sort of uh, in insights or inspiration that they they come to realize through their their limud Torah, it's very apropos the day after Simchat Torah. If you had some thought during Cholamoed and you don't want to forget it, you should certainly write it down because there's no greater dover of it. It's, our individual insights, our Torah thoughts, could be lost if we don't write them down and don't record them. So it's a it's a great lesson that when we have something inspirational, maybe send it out in an email. Let let your friends and family know that you came up with some uh, new insight or some valuable wisdom out of the Torah learning that we're doing every day. Yeshar Kochachem, Shavuot Tov,